Hey there, Jabronis. My name is Charlie, and I'm one of the hosts of Rock Talk, along with my buddy Jordan. First off, thanks for listening. Secondly, Rock Talk can be enjoyed in any order you want. We put out episodes every Thursday. But we suggest that you listen to the newest episodes first, and you could eventually work your way back to these early episodes if you want to see how this whole thing got started. Trust me, the newer ones are better in terms of audio quality, format, and frankly, my and Jordan's talent level. Again, thanks so much for listening. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Rock Talk, Rockaholics, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the roles of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. As always, I am Jordan. And I'm Charlie. How's it going, buddy? It is good. I am sitting here with this little rig set up in my office. We've got the umbrella out. We've got blankets out. We are good to record. What about <laughs> you, man? What's going on? Well, I'm not doing that great because I had to rent this movie again. Oh, yeah. This, this was... <laughs> I am so upset that we had to watch this movie a second time. Oh, my God. So uh, Jordan and I recorded a version of The Tooth Fairy for this podcast. And, I mean, spoiler alert, it's pretty bad. And we (laughs) sat and talked about how bad it was for about an hour and a half and decided that there was nothing salvageable. Yeah. We couldn't shorten it. Somehow we spoke about this movie for close to 90 minutes and didn't have a comprehensive episode so we are trying again try and give you something that makes sense try and and break this movie down into some kind of digestible format um so let's just get into it this movie is just bonkers first we need to talk about some rock news i know last week we we talked about his hosting job on snl um which was a lot of fun but uh, i think we should take a look back at his gq profile because it's a really good read. Yeah, this is this is nuts. If you haven't read it yet, it's by Katie Weaver. Uh, it is an incredible, incredible article on GQ. It's it's titled Dwayne Johnson for President, and this is something that's actually been creating a little bit of a buzz online. Uh, but essentially, Katie Weaver spends a day, a few days with with Dwayne Johnson, uh, where she kind of learns a little bit more about his workout habits, and at the end of it. You know, the, the overwhelming sense we get is that this guy is ready to become president. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of it's so interesting in this article to me because GQ isn't always super kind to their interview subjects. But uh, this this lady, Katie Weaver, is just fawning over him, as would I. I mean, if you put me in this position <laughs> and you told me to write a story, I'm not sure I would ever actually write anything because I would just be gawking that I'm working out with Dwayne Johnson and then I guess shortly after I'd probably be dead after going through a Johnson workout. Yeah, and and can we talk about these pictures in this article for a second? Because these these pictures are incredible. Yeah, well, so now I kind of, before when he was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, Mm. I didn't get it. But I get it in this, and I'll tell you, I, I think I find, I think I figured out why. Break it down, Charlie. Oftentimes, when you see him in movies, he is wearing clothes that accentuate his muscles and make him even look larger than life. And he almost doesn't, he looks almost superhuman. So to me, that like, he doesn't, you can't, you don't even put him in that category of, uh, of being handsome or not. And these, or in, in these pictures in GQ, he's wearing normal clothes and he looks great. Yeah. He's no, 45. This dude, 
is one of the most has the one of the most charismatic faces if that makes sense that i've ever seen yeah it's like an old baby yes an old beautiful muscly baby <laughs> and he's got a full set of of white teeth it's really just you look at these pictures so like the first one it starts off with him on top of a of a, it kind of to me i think the imagery they're going for here is almost campaign-esque that's what I'm going to say on that one, because it's him on top of a van of people. I think it might be a tour bus, actually. Yeah, it's, it's like he's giving a tour. But he's got this this Daffy Duck sweater on and these just khaki pants. It's just like... That sweater is $1,300. Oh, oh my God. That's See, Daffy... I guess, well, I guess it's Donald. Is that Donald? It's Donald Duck. Yeah, Man. no, that's Donald Duck. Well, that's why Daffy would have been the <clears throat> the budget version. Um, but <laughs> you we don't know just... the difference between your ducks, man. <laughs> um, but this article... You have to get your ducks in a row. You don't talk to me about my ducks. <laughs> this article, though... So, Katie, I want to talk about kind of the, the, the meat of this article in which she presses Dwayne Johnson on, on if he would actually ever consider a presidential run. And the answer is really overwhelmingly yes. Yeah, and I thought that he gave a really thoughtful answer. One of the more interesting things that I took from this is when she asked him, he, he kind of gives an answer. He says, you know, this hap- this started happening a year ago. It, it started coming up more and more. He, he decided rather than just, I guess the quote in here is, he didn't want to be flippant and say, yeah, I'll run and we'll have three days off for a weekend. There'll be no taxes. No, he wanted to actually give a, an honest and straightforward answer. Right. And I think he even says that it's he says, like, when when really pressed on it, he goes, it's a real possibility, uh, which is crazy. I mean, maybe not so crazy in a world where where Donald Trump became president. But still, the fact that this man who is essentially a life, a lifetime entertainer is legitimately thinking about a run for office. And and what's crazy about it to me is that it doesn't even sound that far fetched. This man is is so universally well liked. He doesn't have any kind of political blemish. It, it almost seems plausible. Well, yeah, but truthfully, what are you know? What percentage would you put a Dwayne Johnson presidential run at any point in the future? Well, I mean, what, what did they give? What did they give Trump? You know, at this, at this point, I think anything's possible, and I think that 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 Dwayne Johnson is infinitely more likable than Donald Trump. And actually, I think he has more cross-party appeal in some weird way. No, um, yeah, definitely. Be- uh, I think he's a registered independent, or so he says here. But you're right; he has that crossover appeal. He he does. Uh, he did rock the troops this, whenever that came out um, earlier this year. Uh, so he's got that. But he also, especially in this, in his hosting duties in Saturday Night Live, kind of spoke out against Trump a little more. He said, "We need more poise and less noise in politics." So he kind of, <laughs> uh, which is a fantastic line. That's a, that has to be a pull from the WWE days. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, let's see. Any any other tidbits that you liked from the article? I'm trying to remember. You know how you talked a little bit about his smile. Uh, they talked to a uh, NBC executive who likened it to a weapon. He said that he's got to use his smile as a weapon, and and he's kind of has he, the the way you play off of it in a movie is is really important. Yeah, and and the he's able to do that in in really incredible ways. He's disarming. He he's able to take a moment of tension and turn it into something either lighter or deeper. Uh, he's really got 
a surprising amount of, of nuanced emotional reach, which for me, watching him transform from a WWF, WWE character into something like that is really a startling transformation. But that being said, none of that is present in the movie we're reviewing today. (laughs) I think we have to. um, The 2010 Canadian comedy, The Tooth Fairy. Yeah. um, And I know our first episode, we started out with a couple really solid movies in Pain and Gain and Fast and Furious 6. And I guess the pendulum had to swing the other way eventually because <laughs> this sorry. movie is a bummer yeah this but is kind a... of an interesting bummer um we'll get into it but uh parts of it can be fun if you just take it for a goofy movie uh not a goofy movie which i oh, know you love don't even get me started honestly yeah, i'm about totally. to end this whole podcast and we're gonna do a goofy movie <laughs> so let's just jump in if you haven't looked up what this movie's about I'm going to read you the the one-sentence synopsis here, but I want you to be prepared in that it really doesn't make much sense. So let's go. The Tooth Fairy. A bad deed on the part of a tough minor league hockey player results in an unusual sentence. He must serve one week as a real-life Tooth Fairy. Cool. Yeah, which just barely scratches the surface of this movie that, I don't know, uh, I think ran about four hours long. Oh my god! Yeah, that's and that's that's generous to be to be quite honest. This that's movie, how long it felt. It it was kind of a slog. Dwayne Johnson is playing a washed-up hockey player called Derek. Uh, he's spending years in the minor leagues playing an enforcer role on the team, which is basically someone, some kind of a goon. Uh, basically, you, you hit and you fight members of the other team to keep them off your star player. And another fun fact we learned about uh, the Rock's character is in this position, he hasn't taken a single shot on goal in over nine years. <laughs> Which, right away. That that's doesn't absurd, make, right? I mean, that makes what, no what sense. What hockey player or what hockey team, what self-respecting hockey team would <laughs> employ somebody who clearly doesn't do any good for the team? I don't know that much about hockey, but I do know if you start fighting people you get put in the penalty box and all of a sudden you're down a you're down a, a player on the ice so he is his employment is a detriment to this hockey team yeah he is literally making it harder for his own team to win games but by the same token so this is what we learn about this character it's not like he's some scrubby member of the team he's actually the biggest star of the team and and apparently the biggest star in this entire hockey league uh, if you judge it by the reactions of the crowd when he, in the opening scene, lays some dude out and knocks his tooth out, um, they all start chanting. The, the movie opens on the, the 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 audience chanting "tooth, tooth, tooth," <laughs> because as we come to realize immediately, the Rock's character's nickname in this movie is Tooth Fairy. Yeah, so, and this is before any like magical or a mystical element has come into this movie at all. So off of the ice, Derek has a girlfriend played by Ashley Judd. And Ashley is a single mother who has two uh, kids, uh, like a middle-aged or a middle school-aged son named Randy and a little daughter. First of all, I have to just have to say, Randy is not the name of a child. It's just not. (laughs) That is a mistake by the part of this writer. Because I don't know any Randy children. Or actually, well, I should 
phrase that differently. I don't know any children named Randy. Yeah, how Ooh. many children do you know, though? <laughs> do you know a lot of kids, Jordan? Uh, There's no so many. <laughs> hey, what I do in my own time is none of your business. <laughs> um, well, maybe, maybe you know, in Canada, Randy's a very popular child's name. That's a good point. I wasn't taking into account Canadian uh, name popularity. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and so that's the family. But, um, so Jordan, what puts this whole movie's plot into motion? Okay. So, the Rock's girlfriend in this movie, her, her daughter Tess loses a tooth. And so she's now, you know, very excited. She's putting the tooth under her pillow. Unfortunately, The Rock has just had a real tough time at the rink. Uh, he got grilled by some kid who who looked up to him and said, you know, wanted him to, asking him basically, you know, can I be a famous hockey player? And The Rock answers in probably the biggest downer of all time, telling him that dreams don't exist and you'll never become a hockey player. It really, to me, comes a little bit out of nowhere. Well, he, I think he's projecting his own failure onto this kid. Yeah. It's oh yeah. Well yeah. I guess yeah. It's, it's, a, it's pretty it's, unclear. It's really got sort of this, this sense that as, as a younger hockey player, Derek was sort of he was a star. He was a scorer. Maybe there were some setbacks, and he gave up on his dream. I think that's what they're getting at with this movie: is that Derek is a dream crusher. Ooh. Which also would have been a great name for him in the WWE. <laughs> would have been a great uh, move. <laughs> right. The Dream uh, Crusher from the top rope. By God. By God, Dream Crusher. Um, so this this now leads us to the to Derek speaking with his girlfriend and his girlfriend's daughter, who's very excited that she lost her tooth, very excited to put her tooth under the pillow, as most young children are, in hopes that the tooth fairy will come, take the tooth, leave a dollar. Unfortunately, since Derek is one of the worst people imaginable his immediate reaction is to spoil the entire idea of a tooth fairy to this like seven-year-old girl yeah he tells her that that the tooth fairy doesn't exist and she needs to grow up which is probably not something you should be telling a seven-year-old kid no it's just it's just it's brutal it's uncomfortable and and at this point in the movie it should be noted we're probably like probably like 10 minutes into the movie he is derek is thoroughly unlikable in this film if we are well, supposed to be rooting for him, like I am missing it. I'm missing it's it. It's weird now. because on the ice, everybody loves him. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and when he's not playing hockey, he seems to be just a pretty terrible guy. Yeah. And, and this then leads to a very uncomfortable scene, which I want to just, I want to just quickly go over where, you know, the daughter, the daughter goes to bed, quick cut to Derek playing poker in the basement with a bunch of his friends. It comes. He comes up. It's his turn to call. He's out of cash. He's telling the guys that he'll autograph something for them to ante up in the pot instead of put money in. They're all like, "Nah, you got to put money in, Derek." So instead of being an adult and just maybe folding or not playing, he goes upstairs and takes the little girl's tooth fairy money. So okay, what let me is ask that? you. Let me ask you. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you a question, Jordan. When you were little, how much money did you get from the tooth fairy? Oh, I mean a dollar. Probably, okay. probably for my very first tooth, maybe maybe five to get me into it. I'm know. pretty sure I got like a dollar. So our, so Derek is in such bad shape financially and is, has such a bad gambling habit that he has to steal dollars at a time. 
<laughs> from children? <laughs> from children. Oh, and and he's apparently not in, you know, his his fiscal situation isn't so bad that he's not able to afford the red Corvette that he's driving in this film. Oh, with vanity plates. Right, with vanity plates. Um, okay, but but we but we should we should keep going. He steals the money. This is exactly what happened last time. When you start talking about how ridiculous this movie is, oh my god, you just, black out and you wake up forty years later. It breaks apart. You guys are gonna have to be ready because this is gonna be another three hour episode. You're just gonna have to be <laughs> we gotta start panning in broad strokes. <laughs> Dang. So let's just move on to the rock becoming a tooth fairy which essentially happens right after this. Yeah, so so he's having a, a bad night's sleep, uh, and he's magically transported to fairyland, where people like Julie Andrews and Stephen Merchant exist. How in the world is Julie Andrews in this movie? It makes no sense. I do understand... I mean, she's cast as, like, the queen of Tooth Fairyland, and I actually think that's a very believable role choice for her, but I don't understand why she's doing it. Yeah, why did she take this movie? Anyway, so so Derek is sentenced by Julie Andrews to be a tooth fairy for a week for crushing, for being a dream crusher, which right. is a little bit too convenient, seeing as how his nickname is Tooth Fairy. But <laughs> really, that's works just out. the world we're in. Um, and and so we get now to a very quick, you know, becoming a tooth fairy training montage uh, and actually a very weird little moment where Billy Crystal appears uh, and it's his first live action movie in eight years. And for some reason he chose it to be the tooth fairy. Uh, but essentially he, he learns a few things about how to be a tooth fairy and how to use some of his gadgets from Billy Crystal. Yeah. So in this scene, and maybe we should play a clip from it. Um, but Billy Crystal, he's in this movie all of what, five minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, it's his first live action movie in a while. Um, so basically, Billy Crystal in this movie is stealing Steve Martin's jokes <laughs> and Q from James Bond's character. So he that's kind of he's supposed to be Q with all the gadgets. It's sort of like a take on uh, a James Bond trope. But then he makes this joke. Oh, you want to get real small, which was like a really famous Steve Martin joke. So I, I don't understand what's going on. Who is that reference for? It is so uncomfortable, and we're not going to be able to do it justice. So let's just, let's roll it right now. Chicken is fine. I don't hate your chicken. I like your chicken. I hate your brisket. I'm coming. Goodbye. <sighs> Never marry a leprechaun. Oh, the dream popper. Hey, did it make you feel good to lie to that kid? I didn't lie to a kid. You told the kid there was no tooth fairy, right? Right. Liar. Look, I'm sorry. I... Sorry is a beginning. Now. If you're gonna be a fairy, you gotta be ready. Although, dude, there is a pill. I mean, an amazing pill. You take this pill, you don't have to do any of this. Really? No, I was just kidding. See, you're mad at me. You believed, and then I took it away. Be mad at me, I don't care. I have tenure. Come on, walk with Jerry. Okay, here's your tool pouch. Waterproof, lot of compartments. You can get a lot of stuff in there. You dig? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This. This is your wand. Tooth detector radar jammer. Keeps picking up radio caliente. I don't know what that's about. Okay, well, what's that? Magic generator button does whatever you want it to do, but you have to believe, otherwise it won't work. So it's pretty much useless to humans. And this. You don't ever want to lose this. 
What is it? Well, it looks like an iPod adapter. Right, so what is it? It's an iPod adapter. What's it for? Listening to your iPod. You get a free iPod. Did you not ask for your free iPod? No, really? I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know, why do you keep doing that? I'm not well. I actually just have a few months to live, so. Oh, you're kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Why would I share that with you? I just met you, plus you lie to kids. Come on, we got business to do. Invisibility spray. You use it, nobody can see you except for other fairies. And this, dude, trust me. Shrinking paste. You put a little on your tongue, you shrink down to about six inches tall. You want to do it? Come on, let's do it together. Come on, let's do it together. Come on, we'll jump into each other's hands. Well, I don't want to jump into your hands, Jerry. Really? Come on, let's get small. Sometimes, when I'm home with the wife, right, I'll take a double hit. I get down to about that big. I let my feet dangle in the inkwell. Then when she's out, I walk all over her body. So when she wakes up, there's these little footprints all over, and she goes, what is this? And I go, hey, I don't know. Oh, and there's also the really awkward um, leprechaun line. They're, like, really racist towards the Irish in this movie. Oh, that's right. That's a, and that's, I think that's an ongoing bit that they play this entire film. Very, very uncomfortable. But also, we mentioned that Stephen Merchant was in this movie. This is his first major movie role. And he's really given it his all. It's very uncomfortable. It's very weird. But you can tell that this he's giving 110% into his role, which yeah. is... He comes out of this movie relatively unscathed. Um, you know, Stephen Merchant, he's Ricky Gervais's writing partner, uh, helped, bring, helped create the American version of The Office. Uh, but yeah, this is his first uh, major movie role. And he's just such an odd-looking person that to see him prancing around with Dwayne Johnson <laughs> in a tutu is like you it, like you said it's pretty uncomfortable. We could talk about this for hours, but we're not going to. No, we've got to keep going. We are we are 15 minutes into this movie by the way. Right. We have we have made zero progress in this film. This is essentially what happened. This is exactly what happened last time. Um, <laughs> let's just get into act 2 uh, in a pretty abbreviated version of it. Derek at this point He's a tooth fairy, complete with the wings. It's pretty crazy looking. He he doesn't learn the real skills. So he's trying to take shortcuts. It kind of plays back to him as a kind of a goonish hockey player. He's a pretty goonish tooth fairy. So for instance, he uses some of the fairy dust that Billy Crystal gives him. Instead of, you know, you're supposed to use it to be discreet and kind of run around and and be a really use it as a last resort. You know, I, I think the idea is as a tooth fairy, you're supposed <laughs> to sneak in and sneak out without being detected. And in the event that somebody catches you, you sh- like sprinkle this fairy dust in their face and they <laughs> suddenly have amnesia and don't remember you. Oh, this movie is so bad. Oh, God. And so he, he uses it instead of being discreet. He uses it. He just sprays it liberally like a firefighter with a wielding a hose at a burning building all over the faces of to me it seems like his victims i want to say his his like patients but really it's... no they're more or less victims i mean this movie is about <laughs> a a 40 year old grown man continually roofing children yes that's the that's the universe <laughs> to support his gambling right. habit lest we forget this is because of gambling <laughs> This also leads to a very strange scene where Seth MacFarlane, who is in this movie for all of two minutes, he has to he's 
Well, the, oh yeah, okay. Well, well, I should say because he's using his fairy dust inappropriately, Queen Julie Andrews removes his tooth fairy supplies uh, and basically says, "You have to do this on your own." Derek Johnson or Derek Thompson is not going to take this, so he buys some bootleg, like weird black market tooth fairy gear from yeah, a it's so, weird, it's supposed like, to be... coked up Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a drug deal. That's the joke here. Once again, mixed messaging for for children. Yeah, this is a pretty sure this is a this is a PG rated movie, and is basically this is a bunch of PG movie I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> in, in some respects, in some respects, it's so squeaky clean, and maybe that's just the Canadian American comedy aspect of it. But then you have like this mixed messaging of you know the the weird uh, take on the drug dealer and uh, James Bond tropes very strange and so he buys his bootleg material and he goes on his way being a tooth fairy but this is where we see the the rock displaying some of his greatest moments of physical comedy in the movie because surprise none of the bootleg material actually works yeah so he he he, he thinks um the stuff that he bought off seth mcfarland's character will shrink him so he'll be able to cr- get under the door and and do his tooth fairy duties but instead it causes these like crazy deformities his head blows up to a certain size he starts freaking out and he gets arrested yep and this leads to probably the greatest scene of this movie in my opinion where ashley judd and dwayne johnson are in the police station she's getting them out of there and trying to he's trying to explain that he's screwed up and he's sorry and he keeps using the wrong words. He's it's it's very like non-apology language. So he keeps throwing fairy dust into her face, just continually giving her just this crazy amnesia situation. All the while, there's this cop that's just watching this whole situation with a complete wonderment. What's going on with you? I want to tell you, I, I, I can't. Why not? I just can't. I know what this is. This is you acting out because you are afraid of making a commitment. You're nervous about us getting serious, aren't you? Yes. That's it. You know me so well. I, I, I'm nervous about how serious we're getting. What? Mm. <laughs> You're a woman, and, and, and frankly, you wouldn't understand. Oh, what? No, no, I. No, I'm not nervous about us getting serious. I, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't even think about getting serious with you. What? Ooh. Hmm. I freaked, and Carly, I love you so much. I'm scared of messing up, and I'm scared of losing you. Aww. <laughs> I understand. So glad you could share that with me. Where can I get some of that? He might as well have gone, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. Such Um, a weird tonal thing. So that this is all happening. And since he's messed up, he's now supposed to serve three weeks as a tooth fairy. We don't know. We don't, nobody knows the rules of this movie. Nobody knows the rules of tooth fairy land. And then you throw in at the same time, he still is playing hockey. There's a, a young hockey player played by 
ex-professional skateboarder Ryan Sheckler, which is a baffling casting decision. Why not just choose a hockey player? Ryan Sheckler is in this movie. It's it's baffling. It is utterly baffling. In this movie, (laughs) guys, listen to me. If you're listening to this podcast right now, just remember one thing about this movie: Ryan Sheckler is in it. And I don't know how it took us this long to get to to the fact that he's here but he is well it took us this long because this movie it just starts like this is now a new plot line right where this he's a young upstart hockey player so now we have that plot line and he's like battling against Derek's character and then at the same time remember Randy hope you didn't forget about Randy Randy is trying to be a famous heavy metal guitarist and he is playing in a talent show at the end of the school year and to impress girls I guess there's like the weird thing at the guitar center yeah, it's it's possible oh, he loves a girl, but that doesn't really get explored. So that's another plot line we're dealing with. So now we have three distinct plot lines, and we're about 30 minutes into a movie. <laughs> a, The Rock has to become a tooth fairy for three weeks, or I guess or I guess he's just always a tooth fairy. It's unclear how that works. Right, B, they just keep extending him? I don't know. Right, doesn't, there's never an explanation. B, Ryan Sheckler is this young upstart hockey player that is, like try, I guess, trying to take Derek's role or he just talks trash about Derek. doesn't really make sense. I don't see why they even have beef. And then C, you have Randy, who is now trying to become a famous guitarist in this talent show, maybe win the heart of another 11-year-old girl. It's very unclear. And that leads us to Act 3, about 35 minutes into the movie. <laughs> this is where it gets... This is where this movie... If, if, if you can believe it, this is where it actually falls apart. And this is where he kind of he just freaks out. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he's still not be, he's, he just became punished, has to do another week as a tooth fairy. He's not playing well as a hockey player. And now he lashes out at Randy and says, you will never be a rock star. Classic Derek. Yeah. And so what does Ashley Judd do? What any normal mother does uh, after her grown minor league hockey player, <laughs> Samoan boyfriend tells her son that he won't be a rock star she breaks up with him so now Derek is single he decides that you know he's got to change his attitude about everything as a hockey player as a fairy and as a man so he starts approaching his responsibilities with a new attitude Uh, now he's starting instead of just being a fighter in hockey he's looking to score and he wants to be the fairy the right way and to be a better role model in life yeah, so this is now, I guess, the turn. Uh, the, Derek, the climax of the movie. And it really is, it comes down to Derek on the ice in what appears to be like the last game of the season. And he has a chance to score a game-winning goal. But at the same time, he gets an alert on his like fairy text messaging system that he also has to be a tooth fairy. No, it fairy. comes up on the scoreboard. That oh my god, thing. you're right. It's so strange oh, in this movie. Oh, you're totally right. Is they they function, they go between this magical fairyland and planet Earth, Canada or wherever they are. <laughs> interchangeably, <laughs> and they don't explain how they get back and forth. And so you have like these mystical elements like the his fairy assignments on the scoreboard and nobody else seems to notice them. They never explain this. Yeah, and that's just, you know, this this movie has zero rules, zero continuity. It asks you to just accept what's happening, which would be fine if this was in any way an entertaining movie. But it's really not. As interesting not. as it sounds right now, this at this point in the I movie... I don't think we're like, making it sound interesting. Yeah, I think most people tuned out about 
30 minutes ago. We've got a bunch of unsubscribes happening as we speak. <laughs> but basically, this crazy scene happens at the end with Stephen Merchant spraying everyone in the hockey rink with the fairy dust. So Derek Thompson is able to escape the arena. And... Not escape, fly. Oh, yes, fly that's out right. out of the top of the arena with Randy, carrying Randy so he can get to his talent show. And and now we get to the talent show where this... So, oh my gosh, that's right. This is the cringiest moment of the movie. So Randy is up there and he's absolutely killing it, right? He's shredding it. Uh, the girl is going to fall in love with him. He's going to win the talent show. The whole crowd goes wild. And then Derek turns to Ashley Judd and proposes to her. Yep. Why yep. does he do that? So Derek, even though he's changed and become a better man, apparently, is the most selfish, maybe in this moment. <laughs> this is Randy's most, this is the most important night of Randy's life. And Derek is just going to completely take it over and make it all about himself. So Derek has not changed. He has not grown. He is still a jerk. And poor Randy, this, it really just made, maybe this, this whole movie honestly might just be a tragedy about Randy because Randy gets the short end of the stick yeah, every single second birth, of this movie. Randy. <laughs> right. There was, it was never going to work out from day one. And you never find out what happened with Ash, with the father, you know, who was at, who did, who was the, these children's biological father? We don't, we, they never reference them. So yeah, life is tough for Randy. That's honestly a more interesting movie is watching the dynamic between Ashley Judd and her children with the biological father juxtaposed against her new boyfriend, Derek, who is a washed up jerk minor league hockey player like that yeah. in and of itself would be a fascinating drama. But that is not this movie. So, all right. So as far as act three talking points, is there really anything that you thought we should talk about before we spend any any longer on this movie? Uh, no, I mean, frankly, I have to, I have to point something out. Okay. We're going to talk about Randy. We just said that he was the victim and I'm about to victimize him even more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Randy's music choices. There's oh. a line in this movie where he says he wants to play like Stevie Ray Vaughan. What 11 or 12 year old kid thinks that Stevie Ray Vaughan, it should be their idol. Right. That is not the cool it. guitar idol uh, <laughs> yeah. icon in any in any whoever way. Whoever wrote this movie, whoever wrote this movie was about sixty years old. And then <laughs> whoever it was the set dresser for this movie was, I don't know, twenty-three? Because <laughs> Randy's Randy's room, he has uh these posters of these Christian pop punk bands under oath and MXPX. So yeah. <laughs> he wants to play like Stevie Ray Vaughan, but he likes listening to Under Oath and MXPX. Yeah, apparently uh, Switchfoot did the set design here, so <laughs> it shouldn't come as any surprise. <laughs> oh, God, this oh, movie God. stinks. Uh, let's just, I think we just need to get to our last thoughts and put yeah, a fork but... in this movie. So let's, I like that we like to go to our, <clears throat> we have our awards we like to do at the end of each Rock episode. Rock Talk Superlatives. Yes. Uh, and and my favorite one, honestly, is is sweatiest scene. So I just want to kick things off with that. I have to I have to think that the sweatiest moment in this movie, and there's not a lot of sweat, which is upsetting, you know, for a rock movie. Unlike most Dwayne Johnson movies, he's not constantly drenched in sweat. Yeah. So <laughs> take that a as a positive departure. or a negative. Uh, 
for what you will. But in this one, I think the sweatiest moment has to come pretty early on. He's in the locker room post his first hockey game. Uh, and it's probably the one shot that we get where he gets to show off his muscles and he's oiled up and it's pretty good. I think this is where he meets Ryan Sheckler's character for the first time. Um, so we can play that. What's going on out here? Hey, Tom, come here. I want you to meet the future of our franchise. Uh, new kid. Yeah, well, he's probably not going to be here for longer than a cup of coffee until he gets snapped up by the Kings. But uh, listen, while he is here, your job on the ice is to take care of him. Okay. Nothing else matters, all right? All right. Mick. Yeah. Derek Thompson, Mick Donnelly, our first line center, Mick Donnelly, Derek Thompson. He's your bodyguard. What's up, hey. man? Welcome to pro hockey, kid. Yeah, is there a old-timers game today? I didn't realize you were even still playing, man. I, uh, I used to be a big fan. All right. See you later, man. And the most interesting thing to me about this scene is where is the Rock's giant chest tattoo? Right. It is incredible that they took that out for this film because he had it right before this movie. Yeah. He had this tattoo. I I read some interview where he said he got it in 2003. And this movie was was in 2010. So some makeup artist uh, had the pleasure of putting makeup all over the left side of his chest. (laughs) Is, is that not allowed in a PG movie to have a main character with a tattoo? I don't understand it. Because it would have made sense from a character perspective. You know, this dude is a goon minor league hockey player. You're telling me he doesn't have a chest tattoo, like seriously, or a barbed wire arm tattoo. Like you're telling me right. that this dude doesn't have one. I don't believe it. Um, moving on to our, our second award. That's Big Rock Little World. That's uh, an award where we find a scene where the rock is made to be outrageously huge against either a set piece or other humans or via some sort of stunt or special effect. And what do we what do we have for this for this movie? Yeah, uh, this movie is also kind of an outlier because so many of the physical gags in this movie involve the rock being small. And so there's a whole two hour long physical gag where he <laughs> is the size of an ant and he's just trying to get to uh, the tooth. But I, I would say really about the only time that he looks gigantic, and I don't think this was on purpose, but it just cracked me up, is he's helping Randy become a better musician. Uh, so there's this scene where Randy is playing guitar, and The Rock is sitting behind the tiniest drum set I've ever seen. Yeah, and I, I honestly don't know if it was a tiny drum set or The Rock is just that big. But either way, those drumsticks look like toothpicks. It looked like he was playing no, a no, little no, no, toy, no. like a little toy drum. This was a children's drum set. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not make it out to be anything that it's not. This is a tiny drum set. And clearly they did not bother syncing up uh, the music to what The Rock is doing because there are like cymbal crashes and The Rock isn't even touching the cymbals. Yeah, this this is a classic. Like if you've ever played... Uh, rock band or guitar hero and you just sort of you know how you just sort of are like strumming randomly and someone's just drumming with random stuff in the back that's what this looked like where randy is just sort of just strumming and the rock is just hitting a single beat over and over again on the drum and there's just some random riff playing on top of all of it like this is why would they do that i don't understand um all right and so our our last superlative here is best one-liner um, and Jordan, this one's all you. Yeah, so this this movie has a ton of one-liners. It, n- very few of them are memorable. Uh, throughout the movie, he tries out, D- Derek tries out 
you know, several catchphrases, including very confusingly about halfway through the movie, he decides that, oh yeah, is going to be his catchphrase. So from about 45 minutes onward, he uses the phrase, oh yeah, like six different times. Um, but that's not our one-liner of the, of the movie. That happens at the beginning uh, when he is on the ice as the Tooth Fairy hockey player. Yep. He makes Just it- having a conversation <laughs> seemingly with people in the audience. <laughs> Nobody's actually playing hockey. He's able to converse with the audience from the center of the ice. And it's 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 just ridiculous. I think you really need to just hear it for yourself. It's a series of tooth puns, but I don't want to give it away. Let's just let's just play the clip. You can't handle the tooth, and that's the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. I pledge allegiance to the tooth. <laughs> Dear God, I mean, it does not get any worse than that. That is just some of the worst writing in any yeah. movie. I don't understand it. I get you can't handle the tooth. I get other puns <laughs> like that. But when he says, I pledge allegiance to the tooth, oh. what is that a pun on? Does anyone say, I pledge allegiance to the truth? No. <laughs> no. no. It's like, it's the laziest. Somebody had to have written that and thought, you know what? That's pretty good. And gave themselves a nice little pat on the back. Yeah, that's a bunch of writers in the back. They're like, yeah, hey, guys, we need, uh, we need one more uh, tooth pun. Uh, hey, uh, Donnie, what do you got? Uh, oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Can we stop talking about this movie? Please. Let's let's just end it. Uh, you've been listening to Rock Talk, Guide to the Movies of Dwayne Johnson. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, this is you've made it through our first three episodes, so thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, and uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Rock Talk Pod. Um, and and for our next episode, we'll be putting up a poll on our Facebook page, um, and you can vote for what movie you want to see on episode four of Rock Talk. So get on Facebook, cast some votes, and we'll see you next time.